Hello and welcome to Outsiders Overrated Game Club. In this monthly segment, we play a game with our community and invite our Patreon supporters to join the discussion. If you want to join us, support Outsiders Overrated on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. You can help for as little as $2 a month. I'm your host, Tom Sidlachik, and we've got a well-rounded party for our discussion today with the Hobby Box, Joe Burns. Heyo! Dr. C, Casey Aline. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Mr. Vanilla, John Munch. Howdy, howdy. And hopefully at some point, Mrs. OIO, Phoenix Sidlachik. In this part two discussion, we're going to give our final impressions on the story. We're going to discuss builds, we're going to break down endgame content, and discuss Season 3, the season of the Construct, because words are hard. Let's start by giving a brief recap of our experience with the Diablo franchise and what our initial impressions of D4 were. Burnsy. Yeah, so I've played all of the main Diablo games and finished the story in all of them, maybe not the expansions in one of them. Um, but I haven't really ever played much of like after the story stuff in like three or D two remastered or whatever the heck they called it. Ref- not reforged. That was Warcraft. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, and I've also really enjoyed Diablo four so far leading up to, um, or after the first part of this podcast. And then Munch. So I played all four. All expansions. I mean, I love Diablo. It's been one of my favorite franchises for a long, long, long time. And it's one of the first, like, PC games I really dug into. So um, I really enjoyed the story at 4. I like how they kind of went away from, like, being, like, in 3 where you were all over the place with, like, heaven and hell and this and that. And kind of brought everything back to Sanctuary. And I liked how it was kind of dark and bloody and gruesome. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Uh, Diablo is one of my favorite franchises. I've played every game. 4 is, ironically, the one I've probably played the most, but I haven't seen the credits roll on the story yet. Casey, where did you come in with Diablo? I had absolutely no experience with Diablo prior to to this, um, and I've loved every second of it so far. I think it's a totally awesome game, Um, which I want to bring up this. So today on, on... X. I don't know if you guys saw my post who follow me, but uh, Paul Charchin, who Tom knows that I'd like look up to and idolize, uh, said, which video game franchise keeps getting worse with each release? He said his was Madden, Battlefield, NHL, and Diablo were one of his candidates. So, like, I, I, I responded to him to try to get his, his input. He didn't, didn't reply back to me, but I'm curious what you guys think. Like, having played the previous ones... Like, and maybe we'll talk about this, but like, where do you think this one is compared to the other ones? Now, I'm a passionate Diablo person. Like, it's not hyperbole to say that this is on my Mount Rushmore gaming franchises. I love Diablo. And Diablo 3, when it came out, was a rough experience. But right now, you can jump into Diablo 3, and it is awesome. I think that this franchise... Maybe it hasn't changed with the times because Diablo is Diablo. You can play back, go back to Diablo 1, and it's a little rough. It, it looks different. The skills aren't nearly as well refined. But I think the four iterations of this game are all their own separate amazing things. I think that Diablo 2 is certainly a pinnacle in its time. It's still one of my all-time favorite games, although it didn't age particularly well, even with the resurrected version. Diablo 3, it was terrible when it came out, but... It is an awesome game now, and it introduced Couch Co-op to the franchise, which is a game changer. And D4, I toted as game of the year for most of last year. I, I've having 
gotten much further into the game now. I've softened that stance significantly, but I think each <laughs> one of these games is awesome. And I don't think that anybody who's played the entire franchise can say they are getting significantly worse with each release. Nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And those rose-colored glasses that make you think Diablo 1, and I'm going to, like, hot take Diablo 2 is, they're like the, the cream of the crop. Sorry. No. Like, they're great games. Diablo 2 is still amazing, and, like, yes, it is an astounding game. Amazing is but... a strong word, John. Amazing is a strong word for how Diablo 2 plays today. I mean, today, not not as great, right? Quality of life, this, that. to me, you have to evolve. And I think that Diablo 4 hits it out of the park. It's it's probably my favorite out of, out of all of them, which is my hot. Yeah. I mean, I would agree, too. Um... I played a lot of D3 when it came out on console, and that was kind of like when it hit its peak, I would say. Um, you know, some would maybe argue a lot of the like endgame seasons and stuff like that have been really good, um, but I haven't even messed with any of that in Diablo 3. After I played the beta of Diablo 4, um, I was kind of hankering to be like, oh, I, I, I kind of want to play a little bit more Diablo now. You know, and even after playing, what, Diablo 2... A few months before that, uh, it was just like, yeah, I'd like to play some more Diablo. So I, I reinstalled Diablo 3, uh, the PlayStation 4 version, and jumped into it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so different. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't choose what my option is. And then it's like down the line, it's like, oh, okay. I could either keep that button that I'm used to or I replace it with this skill. Um, and if I don't like a skill, oh, I have to wait. 15 levels before I could put something else on this button. That's great. Uh, so yeah, it was like a little bit of a shock going back because, you know, I did kind of have those rose colored glasses. Like, Oh, I loved like all the time I spent with Diablo three, but after messing around, even with just the beta version of Diablo four, it was just like, yeah, this is, this is different. It was different. That's for sure. Yeah. I think it's horribly unfair. Oh, I'm sorry, Casey, go ahead. No, I, that's, <laughs> Reading through the post, like that's one thing that I found was interesting is other people who had kind of chimed in on Diablo and the franchises. A couple of the people said like, like nothing has changed. Like they didn't like you know like I think that's part of the gripe about like Madden is it's been the exact same game over the last ten years, right? Like nothing has changed. But like from what you guys have said, I have no experience, but like I love this game, and it seems like the evolution of the game over time, things really have changed. So, like, I don't understand kind of what those other people were talking about. Well, D3 was definitely a change to the formula because you basically the skill tree was taken out of it, and every level you'd unlock a new skill or a new modifier for a skill, and that really streamlined the process. So for Phoenix jumping in, uh, I wish she was here to articulate this in her own words, but Phoenix loved it because she didn't have to stress over a skill tree. She didn't have to look up a build guide. It's like, oh, well, I have this new thing. I'll try that out. Do I like it more or less than what I had before? Okay, well, this is what we're going with for now, and then a new thing unlocks, and they more trickle out the abilities, I think, is the biggest change to it. I think by looking at 3 to 4, the story and everything is much more streamlined in 3. Like, you're going from beat to beat to beat to beat, and it's a much more cohesive story with Leah, with um, uh, the angel, the trips to heaven and hell. I think it's a much, it's just a more streamlined experience, where D4, I loved it because it harkened back to 2. It took all the points of 2 that I loved, Necromancer, Skill Tree, uh, and gave me this huge, gigantic open world with a massive checklist of things to do, and that really... Um, Filled a box for me or filled a need. Yeah, it basically took like 
uh, MMO quest structure and did that for the main story and the side quests and everything. And then with like the renown points and how you gain renown in each of the regions and you can raise that by doing side quests. If you don't want to do side quests, you could just do dungeons. If you don't want to do dungeons, like you can pretty much max out. You don't have to do everything in a region to max it out. Like you can get to the max without having to do all the dungeons and all the side quests. You're going to have to do a fair amount of both, I think, to get there. But um, I think that's one of the interesting things about it is it, it, it gives players the ability to sort of choose how they want to play. And I think that philosophy kind of goes back to also the skill trees and that you could kind of choose how you want to create your character. Now, granted, just like any game that has skills, uh, there's going to be certain things that are better than others. I don't think there are any skills that just aren't viable. Like, I don't think there's anything that if you picked this ability, there's no way you could beat the game. Like, or, or there's no way that you could compete um, even in end game content and complete that stuff. Like, I don't think there's anything that's like, there's some things that are much stronger and like combinations of things that are far stronger, but that just means you're getting through content quicker. Not that you can't get through it. Um, if you don't do that. Um, so I think that's, what's interesting about it is it, is it gives the player the power to choose how they want to play it. Um, whether it's, you know, just sort of choosing the things that you want to do based on how cool it is or what you think is good, um, or follow a build guide and try to make the strongest thing. That's just going to breeze through stuff as much as possible. And, you know, there's no harm in doing either of those. Well, I'm glad that you brought up builds, Burns. Let's talk about some of the different characters in Diablo and how we built out our avatars. Diablo 4 has five playable characters. Barbarian, Sorcerer, Necromancer, Rogue, and Druid. John, you are a longtime fan of Diablo. What is your favorite archetype in Diablo, and what did you choose in D4? I usually pick something that is quick, and I, I tend in, in all these type of games to either do like an archery rogue type build or like a sorcerer, right? And I, you know, this is my second character, technically my third that I started in D4. So I, I played through a rogue and that was a lot of fun, you know, with it's very similar to D3 with your combo points. Uh, but this time, this season, I picked a, a sorcerer and love it. It is, it harkens way back to like almost like Torchlight where I had like a kind of a, you know, an Iron Man blast build. And to me, the just the the sheer just like explosiveness of the class is awesome. I love it. And which uh which way did you spec your sorcerer? So I went ice. Just I just kinda picked build guides. Ice sounds fun because crowd control free stuff. And yeah, uh ice beam is a long running joke with some buddies of mine. So it's like, yeah, great, ice beam build is awesome, right? Yeah, I hear you're renowned for your chip damage. That's interesting. I played a sorcerer in the last season. I did a fire sorcerer because I thought it sounded cool, and, like, the effects were freaking amazing. Like, I had a giant fire serpent. Burns, one of your most played characters was a lightning sorcerer. What was that experience like? Uh, so the reason why I went with the lightning sorcerer was because that was what I gravitated towards the most when we were playing Diablo II Resurrected. Um... And so it played a lot like that, uh, where, you know, you're just kind of pumping out lots of damage and trying to stun a bunch of things. Uh, 
the interesting difference, at least with lightning, is that you have this like crackling energy that you pick up, and that basically means that you're just doing constant sort of damage away from you or like out from you as you're moving around without having to hit buttons uh, on top of then what everything that you're hitting. And so, yeah, that was the character that I played through the story with. Um, so started off on season two and then went to the eternal realm. And that's where I finished the story and did a little bit of uh, end game stuff with that. So a couple of nightmare dungeons. Um, and then with season three, I, Primarily, primarily played. Uh, I primarily played Necro Necromancer, and so I got a Necromancer up to fifty three and focused mostly on just having a ton of minions, um, and then did some corpse explosion stuff. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it was mostly just like minions and trying to keep them healed, and then doing some shadow damage, a few other things. Um, that was kind of what I ended up doing with that, uh, and then. A uh, couple... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, before you move off of the Necromancer, you played this season with a Necromancer with a lot of minions. I assume you also used an ultimate ability. Casey played season two with a build guide and a Necromancer that used no minions, no ultimate. Which one of you was right? Who had more fun playing Diablo 4? Casey's pointing to himself. <laughs> uh, I love my necromancer. I don't know. Joey like seemed to pivot off of his necromancer. Maybe I don't know. But like my <laughs> my my corpse explosion her corpse explosion necromancer in season two was it was so much fun to play. I mean, but, it was uh, audibly easy to tell you're having fun because you were giggling like a child <laughs> playing with your necromancer as we were going through these fights, and it was it was fun to behold you enjoying the experience that much. Well, in season three, I found something even more fun to play as. Uh, I went back to my roots and, and played as a barbarian, uh, specifically a charge barbarian, which takes advantage of a massive damage boost that they gave to the charge skill between season two and season three. They gave it a 400% damage boost, which is just absolutely insane, right? So it takes a little bit longer. One quick yeah, interjection ahead. there. Uh, Bernsey, you played a Barbarian in Season 2. How much would you have appreciated that charge? Because you also use that ability, correct? Yeah, I didn't feel like I was ever putting out a lot of damage. I think part of that might have just been I don't know that I had a very strong, like, uh, like normal basic attack. Um, but, yeah, uh, it would have been nice to have done more damage with the charge ability. Um, so it makes sense that they would have boosted it for season three. Yeah, it's, it's act, it's crazy. And like, you can see there's, there's YouTube videos and stuff out there, but when you get to certain levels with this, like it takes a little bit longer to build up compared to the Necromancer, but when you get to around that level 50 and you're starting to get some of the aspects and weaponry that you need and you start, and then when you really, where it really shines is the Paragon gun, uh, board, because there's, one of the first paragons that you can unlock decreases the cooldown on your shout skills. So you can go into a battle, use your shout, use your charge. Charge refreshes almost immediately. So you can basically just sprint and charge through every single dungeon, one-shotting almost everything in front of you. And it's just <laughs> bananas. And it's super-duper fun to play when you get to that point. <laughs> Is it, Casey... And is it truly super duper fun to play at that point? It really is. I mean, what's more fun than going into a nightmare dungeon of, of your level or even higher and eating the entire thing in under five minutes? <laughs> well, I'll tell you my fun experience. 
Um, we were playing, you and me and Phoenix were in a party, and we were doing the Capstone Dungeon to unlock World Tier 3, which uh, Phoenix and I hadn't done before, and you had done, I think, the two days previous, and Phoenix and I had to warp back to town to do some inventory management. You run in, kill the final boss, we don't get credit, we have to restart the entire dungeon. You know, repeating the capstone dungeon is so much fun, as as we all know. So I just figured I'd you know share that experience with you, make you redo it all over again. And so we redo it all over again. And it, to be fair, it is quick with you and Tammy joined in at that point too. And you two were just mowing through literally everything. We get to the final boss. It's supposed to be like this end game thing for the story. It unlocks the next world tier and like all the end game stuff. So I'm expecting something interesting to happen. We walk in and. This is not hyperbole. Two seconds later, the boss is dead. Two <laughs> seconds later, the boss is dead. I mean, no, no, normally it takes a little bit longer, but like her combination of her, I don't remember what she was doing. She was doing, it wasn't blood mist, but she did something where it was applying vulnerability to it and then maybe some corpse explosion. And the combination of, yeah, her and I with what we did, it was like, yeah. Two, two hits and, and the bosses were, were toast. And that happened too. We played some Nightmare Dungeons after that. And it was just like... <laughs> her, her Necro was bananas. And yeah, I think it was a good combo. Yeah. I Actually, it might have been seven seconds for the Capstone Dungeon do- boss and two seconds for the Nightmare Dungeon boss. I know that one boss was literally two seconds and I couldn't even tell you what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's... it's pretty crazy after after a while if you do everything right and thankfully there's people on youtube and stuff that will put builds on there for people so you don't have to spend a whole lot of time figuring out the exact right combination of skills and paragon boards and everything to to do that i'm glad that you enjoyed your experience playing diablo for me like it would be awesome to be just mowing through everything nonstop, just murdering everything. But I would like it if I had like the brain behind that, like following a build guide. It's like, oh, cool, I can read. Uh, if I had like figured out all the inner workings and everything to make a character that efficient, it would have carried a little bit more weight for me. So uh, Casey is wrong. My well, I, here, here's the thing. You you know that I am very meticulous with things like that, and I would absolutely, probably over time, be able to figure out a build like that that would work and do exactly what they did i just don't have that time i would rather spend the time enjoying the game and know that there's other people who have already figured that out for me so thanks thank thankfully there's those types of people out there yeah good point and like the key it it doesn't really matter where your build comes from as long as you have fun with the game i want to talk about a couple of builds that i did real quick my favorite, I have two that I was torn between for my favorite, but my favorite was a trap-based rogue, which is the character I've been playing since launch, playing it in the Eternal Realm, trying to get through the story. It's all about movement, dropping traps down, and dragging dudes over your traps. I don't know. I think I like that one so much because I'm constantly moving. It feels like I'm constantly doing something. Um, and it's just, I feel very clever when I get a whole group of enemies in the trap. Like, towards the end game, there's a couple of corridors where demons just come charging at you i'm like oh ultimate trap ice trap poison trap just all in a row and it's like an entire group melted i'm like oh this is what casey feels like cool this feels good i like this uh the other build that i was partial to was a lightning werewolf druid in season three uh, the seasonal content especially season three is awesome and my lightning werewolf druid was just Casting storms, then building up spirit in his werewolf form, firing off his ultimate, and then casting more lightning storms. It was a little bit more cyclical than my trap rogue, but it was a lot of fun to do. And I just, 
going from season three back to the eternal and trying to clear up the story that was a rough transition why's that uh, there's so many enemies in season three and all the events uh-huh. and like there's so much chaos and it's like oh we are just tearing through levels we're killing so many monsters and getting so much loot and then you go back to the story and it is a very plotting pace through act three act four act five like until you get down to hell like it is uh much slower cadence and it was very hard to adjust to on our part one discussion we talked a lot about the overwhelming skill trees did that get any easier as we played more and unlocked the paragon boards at the base game level cap of 50 yeah i mean as we talked about i still used a build i found online so i didn't really mess around with it too much but um there's just no no way that i would you know, with the complexities and everything, it would just take me so much longer to get to get to where I did. So I just I just let somebody else do it for me. Well, let's break down the Paragon boards themselves, right? So once you hit that level of 50 or whatever it is, then you're basically getting, what, four or five points every level, right? Until you hit 100 that you put on your Paragon, which is basically this giant node board, right? But you get to pick, there's like, eight total boards you can pick from and each board you can rotate to decide where you can go on the board. So like the, the actual options laid out for you are insane for customization. Right. And people, you know, and then on that board, you can put, there's one spot for like a glyph you can put in that you can choose different glyphs that have different things. Right. So you're picking your board, which has a legendary node that you're trying to get to. There's also a board, a a node on that board that has like your glyph socket. Right. So it's, it is, it's, it's really interesting where you, when you first look at it, you're like, Oh, there's no way. I don't understand. Right. And yeah, I'm going to use a build and get me there. But then as you start to piece things together and you're like, oh, well, my build is all around like this type of damage. And I see that these nodes do this type of damage. So then I'm going to pick this board, right? And then you can kind of walk your path. Like I rotate to try and get to that node as quick as I can using the least amount of like paragon points. But I don't have time to do that. So I just look at a guy. (laughs) So was I the only one that ran into the issue where once I unlocked the Paragon system and I got like a couple of points to throw onto the board and uh, you get to the first kind of two, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but there's like the two sort of hinge nodes that you have to go through to get to the upper part of the starter board. Um, And then you just don't have enough of the two stats to get through those. So for uh, Necro, it was Dexterity and Willpower. I believe were the two and it was just like, Oh, okay. So then I had to go grind a couple of dungeons to try to get gear that gave me pluses to one of those two stats so I could get through it. Uh, that was like the one thing that seemed like just a bit clunky without knowing like what I needed to do. And the fact that, all right, well, I'm going to keep this gear. That's a little bit cruddier just because it gives me bonuses to skills, um, that aren't even the main skills that my class uses. Um, did, did, is that something that everybody ran into with that? Or was that just something I ran into with both the Sorcerer and the Necromancer? So you're not required to have that skill to get the node. You just need to have it at that level to get like a bonus. 
for having that note. Oh, okay. So it's not like it's locking you to not go in there. So most of like the the blue and the yellow nodes, right? Because the nodes are like, yeah, plus five in, plus five wisdom, whatever. And then like you have special ones where you click it and it's like, hey, this gives you, you know, 5% to burning damage. But if you have 70 or more of this, you know, uh, stat, then you get an extra 2%, right? So it's <laughs> it's a bonus upon a bonus. And the nice thing about that is, is it's it's retroactive. So then as your character's gaining levels, well, maybe I didn't have enough before, but now I've got gear that gave me plus 50 to all stats. Great, mm-hmm. now I get that bonus, right? Got it. So, or as you're building out your boards, right, you're gaining more stats. So now you're getting all the bonuses from everything. So it all builds on top. Got it. I saw a red number and figured that I couldn't do it yet, so then I just went and did that. So that was just me being stupid, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so it is confusing. Is it is it fun to have this complex of a a skill tree and then b the paragon board on top of it? Like we have tons of flexibility for how we want to build our characters, but it sounds like we all just want to use build guides to be as efficient as possible. So, like, do you think? that it was a mistake on Blizzard's part to have no. such an insane amount of customization available. No. I think it's it's what makes the game playable. Right? Look, uh, this is everybody's, like, first, like, extra season. Like, well, Tom, you guys, you just picked it up. You're just playing. You haven't even finished the story. Right? Like, this is a system that allows for seasonal content every time over time because you're playing your character and like, hey, you now understand how a sorcerer works, right? And if I'm someone who loves Diablo, I can click two buttons and I can reset my entire build and I can rebuild it and go try and do stuff. And then I can say, yeah, I don't like that. And I reset my whole build and try again. Now I know what all my skills do, right? Well, now I have this new seasonal content and when I look at the new seasonal content, instead of it being a hundred things I have to know, I I understand everything. And now there's five new things that tell me Oh, this would be really good if I blended it with a, an ice build or a lightning build or this or that. So I think that the the curve, the learning curve is extremely steep because there's so much there. And that's where builds come in for people like us. We're like, I just, no, I, I don't have the time to like rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. But now I might come in season four and say, I'm going to do a sorcerer again because they had this really cool aspect that just came out. And I want to try, right, with whatever build I want. Casey? Yeah, I can definitely see. Oops, sorry. Yeah, I can see that side of it for sure. And I'm on that side. Like, I 100% agree with everything that he said because that's just how I am. I appreciate that they have the complexity and that there's other people who did it. But I could definitely see the other side of it where there's some people who maybe want to try to figure things out and get completely turned off by how complex that it is. And they just they don't want to use you know the the resources that are readily available online for whatever reason but um yeah i mean it is it it is a lot and i could definitely see that that side of it for sure so with the necro um and similar to when i played sorceress uh the first time through um i yeah i just went through kind of like we talked about last episode and i just picked what i thought was interesting um, I had to go back and respec a few things because it's like, oh, this just doesn't work. Or it's like, oh, now that I see what some of these things are down here, I want to like try to do this instead. Um, maybe once or twice if I got gear that was really good in something, I would try to like 
sort of tweak some things in order to amplify that. Um, you know, the Paragon board is definitely a little bit more overwhelming, but ultimately you can just sort of say, oh, okay, well, I, I know that this stat is like the main stat that I use. So if I see in that case intelligence, I'm going to select intelligence every time, um, you know, and then a, a few other ones, if I see I'm going to get a bonus in it, I'll select that. And ultimately it's just trying to make a good path up to where you're trying to put your glyph in um, and then get to the end of the board so that you can then jump to whichever other area on the, the whole massive board is there. So <clears throat> I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad because of that. It maybe is a little bit more overwhelming. Um, I will say though that um, with uh, I, I created two hardcore characters, and with each of those, I just like used build guides for those. Um, and it was it was interesting then after like having a little bit of an understanding of some of the skills um, to sort of see how they went about doing this build for like a leveling character. Uh, because it, it was sort of the opposite of how I approached it, right? Um, my thought when I would go through and create a character is, okay, I want this skill that I'm using all the time to be as strong as possible, so I'm just going to plow all of my abilities, all of my points into this first sort of basic ability, the first one that you get. And then you get to the next area because you have to have five points to get down to the next sort of node um, to unlock your core skills. And then it's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to plow all five of mine into the skill that I'm choosing for that. And the interesting thing that happens on the builds usually is usually you're just putting one point into the skill. And then you're going up and doing the sort of bonus area that it, it makes it um, basically a better version of that. And then it'll go up the tree to one of the two options that sort of tweaks how that ability works. And then it'll usually do a couple of the side sort of bonus things. And then on the next note, it'll just unlock one on the skill and then those other two things and then some of the other bonuses. And it kind of goes down the tree like that. And then later on, it'll go back and plow more points into each of the abilities that it wants you to max out. And some of them it's not going to max out because you don't necessarily care about getting like the fifth level of that skill. It's really about getting a lot of these other sort of bonuses because each node will have up to like four or five different, maybe even six different bonuses that aren't even specific to a skill in that area. They're just going to make things better for you. So like, as you kind of went down each tree on the necromancer, uh, there would be one that would be for your skeleton warriors and if you max that out, it makes them stronger. Um, one for your mages on a different node, and then one for your golem on the on a later node. Um, and so it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll fill those in because I want my minions to be better. And if you're not doing that and you're just sacrificing things, then you put points into things that amplify your sacrifices so that you know, if if you're playing the build that Casey did, where you're not <laughs> you're not playing with any of them, then you just make those sacrifice bonuses that much stronger, so that you're just owning things a lot more um, when you're exploding corpses or whatever else you're doing. And generally speaking, I love the skill trees in Diablo 4. I love skill trees in general, and I love the flexibility for the different builds that we talked about both on this episode and the last episode. One thing that I found challenging with Diablo 4 was that the skill tree board was so spread out. It could often be hard to tell where your synergies 
line. Like if you're looking at your basic ability all the way on the top and then like you want to look at the uh, different like passive abilities on the third node, like it was kind of a pain in the butt to move your cursor all the way down there. Like maybe that's better on PC. I don't know, but that was one of the challenges that I had with building a character. I did use a guide in season three just to try it out. Um, I think that the overall system, both the skill tree and the paragon board are overwhelming. And I think that is a little bit of a detriment to the experience experience um anytime that build guides give you a more direct path towards winning that's not something that resonates with me but i will say this game is phenomenally well balanced and even like just messing around and picking the things that i thought were fun like when i was messing around with a pure werewolf build for a little while like i was still moving through everything and i was still moving forward and i wasn't dying constantly so even with a suboptimal build i was able to keep progressing and have a ball with diablo 4 yeah i think the big thing is just with like the suboptimal builds I think you just end up hitting a lot more of those like level thresholds where it's like, oh, I got to a point where I just don't have enough power and it seems like it's taking forever for me to get through things. And then usually you'll get like a piece of gear that'll sort of take things over the, the over the next step or you'll like get a new skill that will then get you past that kind of that rough patch. Um, and so I think that might be... It just might be a little bit slower going at different points if you're not optimizing that. But like you said, you can still beat the stuff easily enough. Yeah, and and the one thing too, none of these guys that are making these builds that play the game that are serious about build building, they're not doing it live. They're not going into their character and saying, let me rebuild this and tweak this and I'll click all these points. They go online and they either build it or they like they build a build calculator or they use one that's already built. Diablo 4 build calculator. Here you go. It gives you all the skill points for whatever level you're at, and you put them where you want. You see what it does. Okay. No, 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 no. And you go back, and you reset, and you click, 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 click. So that's how you really build a build, right? You're not sitting there and, like, actually, like, it would be insane on a PlayStation or an Xbox to, like, hold X, reset all your skills, and walk back through, and this and that. And, like, is it? No, you go to the build calculator, and you click three things, and you say, hmm. Now, if I click this one over here, oh, yeah, that gives me more of this or that. And then you're building your build, right, Tom, to your point, you're you're picking your skills based upon how you're going to try and deal damage or mitigate damage. So you're using vulnerability where you, like, you know, you have skills like that. And as you start to get deeper and deeper, you say, well, shoot, there's different things that make my guy stronger or weaker, right? Like vulnerability is a huge thing in Diablo 4. And that's basically this, this, you can be vulnerable, right? When you see your little health potion area get shattered, you're vulnerable, so you take more damage. But you can also make enemies more vulnerable. So you have all kinds of skills that make enemies vulnerable. And then you have other skills that then say, oh, if an enemy's vulnerable, you do even more damage with this skill. So that's where I see a lot of my builds are always built around vulnerability. That's my favorite type of build because I'm like, yep. I'm going to go in, I'm going to find all these guys, make them all vulnerable, and then shoot one thing that hits all of them, and they all die because they were all shattered. Word. <laughs> yeah. Nerd stuff. Nerd stuff. Um, the builds are awesome. There's so many ways you can take your different characters. There are multiple ways you can spec out each of the five classes. Let's move on to the story of Diablo 4, and spoiler alert, we are potentially going to discuss the end of the story in this game so if you're not interested in our uh, story discussion this is a good time to check out 
Uh, most or of skip us, ahead like five, ten minutes, right? Uh, given the pace of the show, probably ten to fifteen minutes. I will uh, probably not do timestamps because I don't tend to edit this show. So remember, no swearing, guys. Uh, most of us, <laughs> most of us are extremely narratively focused. Joey, you're an expert on storytelling. Does this story in Diablo Four pack an emotional punch? Um. So it's interesting because you say I'm like really into storytelling in games, but I don't know that I could, other than Deckard Kane, I don't know that I could say anything about any of the stories of any of the previous Diablo games. Like you, you find these big old demons and you kill them. Whoa! Uh, Tristram burns a bunch. You know, there, there you go. That's the story of Diablo one through three. Yeah, you pretty much <laughs> nailed it. But don't forget the Soul Stones and uh, barbarians in the expansion to D two. Oh, I completely forgot that. So there you go. Uh, I I enjoyed the story. Um, it has it has some weird it has some weird pacing things at times, um, which you know isn't the only game last year that um, one of its big detriments was weird pacing with the main story. Um, but because uh, that was Final Fantasy 16 also, but... You know a game had phenomenal pacing? Lies of P. Lies of P was a gem. Game of the year, 2023. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, I would disagree on that. I, I mean, I would say Diablo 4 is is a, is a more of a game of the year than Lies of P, but that was from my experience. I know my experience is pretty singular on that, so... Um, but I, I think they do a really interesting job. Each of the acts kind of builds up to like a set piece encounter. And I think, I think they do an adequate job of investing you in certain characters and caring about what's happening and where things are going. Um, and introducing new characters. Um, and some of them could be existing characters from before too. Um, I know that, uh, oh shoot, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, is the guy whose voice was Sid in Final Fantasy 16. Um, Lorath. Lorath, there you go. I know he was in in Diablo 3, right? I don't recall him at or all. Diablo 2? I caught a lot of D2 I think references. He was in a previous... I don't think he's in 2, and I know he's not in 1. Okay, I thought he was in a previous Diablo game, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but anyway... Um, so I think it's I think they do a good job of, of introducing uh, a different aspects of the story as you go through it. And then, yeah, each culminating battle, I think, is really cool. And you kind of get amped up for that fight once you get to it. And so um, I would say that I would say that it's enjoyable. I think the biggest thing um, with this and I know we talked about this in the previous episode, but. You really don't want to get into the whole thing where, oh, I want to do all these side quests before I advance the story in this region. Because, no, don't do that. You'll never, you'll never finish the main story if you do that, right, Tom? Uh, yeah. Let me elaborate on that. In this point, uh, John poked at me a little bit earlier for not finishing the main story. Um, this is the second most I've played a game on PlayStation. PlayStation has been my console of preference. For a long time. And uh, this is number two to Final Fantasy fourteen for number of hours played. And most of last year, I was toting it as game of the year because I was having just the best time with it. The early game and the story in the early game is awesome. But I really enjoy doing all of the quests and like side quests and checking everything off the list early on in the game. And then like 
suddenly I'm not getting renowned rewards anymore because you have to unlock World Tier 3. The, I'd say the first maybe 60% of the story is really good, and I was really invested. And then, like, Act 4 became a slog, and I'm like, oh, now I see why so many people fell off of this game before seasonal content released. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead, Gordon. Go ahead. Or Casey, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I thought the story was really good, and we touched on it on the first episode, too. Like, I just, I enjoyed, like, so many of the environmental aspects about it. But and I just the way everything unfolded, I thought was was really good. And I agree with Joey on the pacing issue, though, because Act Four, where you're just chasing Elias around the map, like I, I didn't like that part as much. Like when it went away from focusing on Lilith to Elias, um, it just it just really really bogged down. Um, and then when it did switch back though to Lilith, and you're in Hell, and and the uh, like. Nice her pensions. battle with yeah with Melthus and and everything going on with that like it was just just awesome and how great was that cutscene Tom huh <laughs> well the cutscene <laughs> with Lilith and Anarius was very very good it was long uh, and that was really good uh, and then we got disconnected and it's one thirty in the morning it's like well we I guess we didn't allocate enough time for the story in this game. <laughs> I, mean, I would agree the pacing shift is it does take a while the. The Elias stuff, at least, I feel like that comes to such a good, good conclusion, right? Where you have that finally, like, oh, this is why he is like immortal, right? And I don't want, I'm not going to go into too much spoilers, but we all know why he's immortal, right? And then, like, how you finally go and like you, you end that and like, you know, his head's hanging, right? And all that, like, the stuff with the tree whispers in the heads was really, really cool. I love how that kind of come to came to fruition at the end, right? Um, but I think where Diablo 4 shined actually isn't the main story. It's good. It's it's serviceable. I enjoyed it, right? Lilith was cool. The blood petals, all this, right? I like how they brought the, the other, the protagonist in. That was all fantastic. But where I think it shines is those side quests, Tom, and that's why I think it's easy to get sidetracked by all them because they were super, super interesting and fun. I am a huge Witcher fan, and side quests are what that game is all about. Side quests take you on these paths, and they're amazing and they're excellent. So I love really, really good side quests that bring you in because it makes the world feel real, mm -hmm. right? So like when you're having these side quests where and like they turn things on the head, like I always think about the one where like you know. You're trying to find that the woman's husband or whatever it is. And, you know, then you finally find him and he's all chained up in the woods. Right. And like, yeah. you know, at the end, he's like, we'll just kill him then. Right. And you all you you kill him and all you get is like a crappy dagger. Right. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. my reward was for doing all this crappy work. But like it's all those things or like the there's a great quest line where you are saving all these people. Right. You're going in like it starts in the first town you're in and you go into these dungeons with this priestess and like you're you're freeing these people from demons and eventually she gets corrupted and you have to go and like talk to a priest and like find this chalice and do all this stuff and i'm like it's a really long quest line but it like has a great ending and i really liked how they did that with diablo 4 and i think they did that better than any of the other diablos um where it wasn't just like, oh, go run these quests to get this one piece of loot or to get this experience, this extra experience. There's actually some good side quests within the game. 
Yeah, one of I think, and I think that's why overall I'm happy with the way that they structured the game too. Is that when you're going through the main story, as long as you know to do it, like just focus on getting through that, and then it's like as you're like leveling a new character in a season for seasonal content or hardcore or whatever. Then that's like when you can go to an area and it's like, oh, okay, I'll pick up all the side quests in this one area and see what, what that leads to. Um, one of the ones that I remembered was there's like the bear tribe village. Um, and so I collected a bunch of those quests there. And it's really interesting as you're kind of learning about the village and how like, it were like this warrior clan, but then, you know, all the demons came and they struggled to be able to try to stay ahead of the goat men and all these other things. Um, and then there's like a series of quests that you do with them. And one of them is you have to, you have to go through a dungeon, but to order, in order to get to that dungeon, you have to unlock the stronghold that the dungeon is on the other side of. So once you clear the stronghold and then you go into the dungeon um, you kill this big, big goat man dude and you get the weapon back for the town. Then they're like, oh, you need to go talk to our chieftain. And you go talk to the chieftain and he's like, I need you to come with me to do one last thing. And so it's like this sort of building up to like, you're learning about this tribe and then you're going to try to help like bring them all the way back to like their prominence, I guess, or, or at least get them to the point where they can get rid of or get past their like sort of dark era of their tribe. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I, and the fact that they have like little things like that in a lot of the different places in the map makes me excited to try to dig into some of that on other characters um, as I jump back into the game moving forward. Um, so that's one of the things with the side quest that I think is really cool. Um, but you don't need to do that to go through the main story. And I, th I think in this game, because like I was saying before, like Deckard Kane is really like the only character I really remember from any of the other um, Diablos. And that's just because he's the one that constantly talks to you and his voice is iconic. Um, but with this one, I feel like, I, like, you know, Donan, I think is a really interesting character and like his whole arc all the way through it is like super sad but interesting and Narelle I think is also a really fascinating character and the arc that she takes through the game from the start all the way through I think is really neat and interesting as well and so like the core characters that you meet and like go through the story with um, I think are pretty interesting and do a good job of helping to drag you through it and want to sort of see where things go and how these people end up Interesting. I got a little sick of Donan. Like, I think that in Act 2, the stuff that happens with him and with his son and with Astaroth, I thought that was phenomenal. And that was probably the high point of the story for me. Getting later in the game, it's like, oh, God, get the tea ready. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's so downtrodden. It's like, great. I wish that I'd known him when he was a young kicker when like apparently he was a major hero in sanctuary like oh shoot i shouldn't break down 42 47 minutes and two seconds uh and that's the donut that i want to interact with i he wore on me as the story went on and narell i agree was really interesting and she's got a great arc but with her being on all of act two it's like she is just gone for a long chunk of the story and like i wish that she had been around a bit more because by the time she we go off to the desert and meet Lorath and start learning about Elias. And then she gets roped back in. I'm like, oh, yeah, 
her yeah her mom the bride thing yeah cool so it took me a minute to remember that who she was right when she came back I'm like why is why am i worried who's this and i was like oh yeah that's right from way back when right it took me a second <laughs> to remember who she was. So I think the story was fine, and it had some good characters, but I think looking at the franchise as a whole, D3 really sets the standard for telling a story within the game. I think D4 was fine. I don't... Uh, there are certainly some slower points later in it, but I thought it was fine. Any disagreements or other points on the story? I think for me, it'll be interesting. The test of time will be what will be interesting. So... In five years, will I remember anything about the story, or will it be as much as I remember about Diablo 1, 2, and 3? Um, that's going to be the true question, and I can't answer that right now. Um, so, so yeah. I don't know that I would, if I create a new character, I don't know that I ever really want to go back through the story again. I'll click skip campaign every time. Um, so... You know, maybe that's telling also a little bit, but I don't know. I think that's where I'm at with it. I, I'm still happy that I went through it, and I really kind of like where it wrapped up, and I'm curious to see what thread gets pulled on for the expansion. Yeah, I can say with almost 100% certainty that I'm not playing the story again. Like it was, it was fine to experience once. And just a quick note, like, there's no story really in Diablo 1. Like, you're trying to get to Diablo and kill him. No, I know. Yeah, I Diablo know. 2, like... They introduced some cutscenes. Um, I think three set a new standard for the franchise. John, did you have a rebuttal too? I was just gonna say, like, I agree. Like, the I play every Diablo story once. That's not why I play Diablo. I play Diablo because I like loot pinions, right? The end game is why you play it. You play it because I like to see explosions on the screen and mow down demons, right? And I. I am hoping to get that one piece of gear. Like, look, I am I'm playing gambling with no risk. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get the most awesome. Ooh, that's a nice shiny I just got. And that shiny makes my other shinies go boom bigger. And I don't know if you guys do, but I play with, like, the actual damage on screen. So it's just numbers all over the place. And I want to see my numbers be bigger. That's why I play Diablo. Yeah, you should play as a rogue with a druid and have some serious number envy. It can be wild at times what overpower damage can do. Uh, but John, it's like you read my mind. Completing the story and reaching the level cap is only part of your journey in D4. Walk us through some of the highlights of endgame content. Once you've beaten the story, once you've hit level cap, what next? And I'm not just asking because I didn't finish the story and I didn't get uh, past like level 53. I'm asking uh, on behalf of the world of planet Earth and our combined interest in d4 so you're asking me directly yes <laughs> um it's it's a loop right diablo is all about the loop and you know I, I was explaining to my family like oh this is a game i'm playing right and it really is like i'm gonna go to this area to kill these things because they drop this thing then i take this resource and i go over here and i turn this resource in to get this other resource which lets me then summon this big boss which will drop this resource which then i can go over to this other area and i can get this resource so it's a it's a progression of like killing different things to get some things to bring you up to another area to get other things and one but, quick one quick interruption can you guys believe that our parents thought that video games are just a big waste of time <laughs> and, and it really is if you look at like what are you doing right but to me it's like it's this zen flow state right and there is a challenge to it right because 
as you're leveling your character, and even once you hit level 100, well, every one of your endgame dungeons that you do, they have a different tier up to tier 100. So, and that will ramp the guy, the enemy level up to like 150 or wherever the max is. So you can keep ramping up that level difficulty to try and challenge yourself. Like, and I did that the other day. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm on like tier 40 or 42. I'm like, I'm going to create like a tier 59 dungeon. So I created one, went in, got my butt handed to me, right? I was like, ooh, I am not powerful enough to handle these, right? I tried to do some of the uber end game bosses. Like, I'm just doing chip damage. I'm barely touching them. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be. I'm like, I'm running around, dodging, trying to kill them. It's like, right? I've got to be level 100. I've got to have better gear. So then I get to go through the loop of, all right, let me go run some dungeons, get some gear, you know, get rid of a bunch of it, take the one piece and tweak it a little bit to give me that little bit of edge, take me over so I have like, you know, 5% more damage, 2% more damage, right? And that's that's the end game. The end game is finding the build you want and then grinding <laughs> on more, harder and harder dungeons, right? So that you can get better gear, right? That replaces this one ever so slightly. So you're doing a little bit more damage so you can do the next dungeon. And that may sound boring, right? And repetitive, but it's fun because you're just running through and you're just killing demons and like you're playing a video game when you're doing it. So to me, it is like the pure just like, the game there's no story there's no nothing it is uh i told you know i told casey before we started like this is replaced vampire survivors right where it's just like i'm just running through and instead of like running through the same thing and trying to pick my little build out of vampire survivor leveling i'm just like ooh, what new gear did i get today right i got two new pieces or i got an uber gear or hey i know that this boss drops this piece of loot so i'm grinding to get the stuff i need to fight that boss so i can get that uber elite piece of loot maybe and if i don't oh well. well casey you didn't get to level 100 so you're not quite at the uber 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 tier of dungeon but i know that you love diablo and you kept playing after hitting the character level cap of 50 where did you spend your end game time with diablo after completing the story what came next for you yeah it's funny that uh you know much and i agree on a lot of this stuff but like equipment management for me is like one of my least favorite things in this game <laughs> it's almost it's almost annoying because there's so much loot after level 50 and it's like i know what i need but like going through each one like all right does this one like give me more damage does this one have the skill that i need nope all right i'm gonna cross that off all right on to the next one so you're reading through every little piece of gear and then crossing it off and like Three quarters of the way through every single dungeon, you pretty much fill up your guy. You got to warp back to town. You got to, like, scrap everything. Then you warp back into the dungeon. You finish the dungeon. And you got to scrap everything again. So it's like there's that 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 little part that interrupts me from just decimating things in dungeons. Like, that's my least favorite part. My most favorite part is... Wait, 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 wait. Before you go, Birdsy has a rebuttal, and then I have a funny yeah. joke. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I really want... I really want Casey to play Diablo 2. So <laughs> not only do you have this loot that you're managing, you have to Tetris it into your yeah. inventory because it all is a different <laughs> shape and size. Um, and you don't just have a... Uh, plethora of you just can't always teleport back to town you have to get town town portal uh scrolls, uh, scrolls, scrolls. and then you need to get a scroll book to put the scrolls into which takes otherwise up inventory you just got space. a bunch of scrolls taking up your inventory space uh i want you to play that 
You have to identify everything. Don't forget identifying. Right? Yep, yep, you have so to identify everything, everything you too. You know is really good, but you have yep. to have either a scroll to like and watch the bar fill up to say, I'm identifying this item, or go back down and buy, pay someone to identify. I'll click on all of them. It would be, given how much you love D4, Casey, it would be really interesting to go back through the franchise with you and see how long it took you for you to say, screw this game, I'm done with D1. Screw this, I'm done with D2. D3, I think you'd actually enjoy. My funny joke was, go back to Torchlight, you noob. Because you can put everything on your pet and send it back to town for you. I was going to say, Torchlight, I could at least, yeah, just send it back to with my dog, and then I could just keep doing stuff and then, you know, figure it all out later, but... Yeah, so like, um, what I really did like though is is a lot of the overworld content. The the hell tides are a lot of fun. Just smashing stuff and collecting the little things that they drop to try to turn in to get you know different equipment and stuff. Um, and the uh, like completing whispers, uh, especially the season of the construct. A lot of the things with the the, the construct were were involved with whispers so as you were completing the the seasonal content you were you were also completing whispers for for better gear as well and and that was a lot of fun for me yeah i agree i forgot what a whisper was but like we wound up serving the tree quite a bit with our seasonal content it's like oh how can i earn the most favors and the fewest the shortest amount of time so that we can get more great loot from the stupid tree that i don't know what it is because i'm not far enough in the story to understand why i'm talking to a tree You got there now, though, right? Yeah, I got there now. I think there's more with the tree. There's one thing I'm expecting that hasn't happened yet. Um, Burnsy, what's your impression of the in-game content in D4? So I I agree with Casey that a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed was the overworld stuff. So doing the whispers, the hell tides, um, and just all that stuff that was up there. It would get annoying sometimes when you're doing something else and you got just these mobs of enemies that you have to try to run past and like i'm not going to dismount i'm not going to try to kill all these things i'm just going to keep going like you know avoid the big shiny and just keep moving towards what you're trying to do here you don't have all night um so a lot of that stuff i liked a lot and it always you got to the end of like you got all your whispers you went to the tree you select which coffer you want and it just spits stuff out at you and that's what everybody just wants is like spitting all of the gear and gold at you um and uh i think even like the sort of limited time event that's going on right now the which is like tied into the lunar new year where it's basically all the shrines are just like amplified um like tenfold and do like weird crazy stuff like that's interesting too because it just adds more wonkiness to the overworld map um and so i liked a lot of that a lot um doing nightmare dungeons not so much um you know and maybe i just needed to get into it a little bit more but to me it just was like all right rinse wash repeat over 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 again and i don't know i got pretty sick of just running dungeons pretty quickly maybe if i was in a party of people it would have been more fun or interesting but doing it solo it was just kind of like all right Running through this now, doing all this. You should uh, go back to town. You should play with Tammy and Casey. That really speeds up those dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, quick clarification for the guy who got the least far into endgame content: What's the difference between a nightmare dungeon and a regular dungeon? 
Nightmare is what I was talking about where you use, like, you could ramp the tier up. Oh, sure. Right? So, like, a normal dungeon is just a dungeon. And then, like, once you do that, you use a sigil, 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 to, like, say, oh, yeah, I want this to be, this is actually a level tier 29 or tier 52 or tier 90. And it's just basically, it's the same dungeon, but the monster level gets skyrocketed. Yeah, and there's also, like, there's different, there's usually like two or three different things that are going on in it also. So it's like enemies are going to do more poison damage and there's going to be nightmare portals that are going to open up and more enemies are going to spew out of them from time to time. Like there's like a series of three different things that each nightmare dungeon has. And then when you get to the end of it, um, that allows you to level up your glyphs that you're going to plug into your paragon board. And so that's how that kind of all ties back into like leveling your paragon stuff um as you're trying to get to the end um so so yeah i i get the loop um i just kind of hate it with the brain fiery passion no it's just that wasn't the kind of content i was feeling uh at the time which is why then i went and created a hardcore character and then that died at level 15 so i created another hardcore character because i was just sort of wanting to keep doing a lot of like the overworld stuff with a dungeon speckled in here or there or a dungeon when i wanted to instead of like the gameplay just being mostly oops all dungeons um and then oh okay i'll go run and do a hell tide here or there and then it's like oh i've got like an entire inventory full of sigils i gotta clean out some of these or scrap a bunch of them because i don't need five that are all the same tier of the same dungeon so so yeah and i think that was maybe part of it also is it was just so much at a time like if i only got like one or two sigils at first but it's like by the time i started doing nightmare dungeons because of like the different events and stuff that were going on, I had like 15 of these things. So it's like, where do I even start? You know? Um, and, and one last thing, and then I'll pass it over to you Munch. Uh, the other thing I wish they did on this, on the sigils is I wish it would tell you also what the aspect of the dungeon was on there. Um, so that it made it easier for you to know if this is a dungeon, I really want to jump and do instead of having to go back to the map and jump over and try to do that. Like, I don't know. That was the only other thing that that was just like uh, it's just not as user friendly that way. And real quick before we kick it back to Munch, Casey, did you have a point? No, uh, I was going to say the exact same thing as Joey about the other stuff that the the Nightmare Dungeons do. And there's so like all valid points, right? To me, I'd rather run dungeon after dungeon after dungeon, right? Because if I'm on the overworld, well, great, I'm running from point A to point B, and maybe I see some monsters along the way, right? Cool. No, I just want, like, a steady stream of stuff to kill. And if I know I'm in the dungeon, kill it. I open up a little door. There's more stuff to kill. There's more stuff to kill, right? And, like, they actually have done a really, really, like, the the hard thing to me, and, and what flipped it is that there's a switch that flips in your brain, where all of a sudden, like, you drop the FOMO, right? Because every time you see those oranges drop, or even the yellows, you're like, oh, I gotta pick it up, I gotta pick it up. I don't even pick up yellows anymore. Whatever. Like, ugh. if it's and it's like if it's a sacred, I'm like, oh, it ended up in my inventory. Well, then I'm just like, get rid of it. Like, I, I junk everything, right? And I don't even look at the stats. I look at the power level. Was this power level anywhere near what my current gear's power level is? Nope, 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 nope. Ooh, this one. And eh, nope, 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 nope. Two seconds, I'm out. Right. Um, so they have those things in place for me, for you to kind of like, once you sit, understand like, oh, this is like, 
the power level is 900 on this new piece, and mine's 800. Yeah, I should look at that. Oh, it's not even close to my power level. I'm going to look at it. So there is some things they've done to speed that up for you. And like, I was in that same spot, Joey, where like, I have all these sigils. What am I going to use them for? And this and that. And like, yes, I would love it if it just had like the little dot next to it that says, you don't have this aspect yet. But what I would just end up doing is like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to use it, open up the map and see. Because if you go to the map, you can teleport right to the dungeon. So I would just mm -hmm. use the sigil, go to the map and say, oh, I don't have this one. Or I don't care. Grab the next one. Do it. Because the best thing Diablo 4 has done is they have said, hey, look, I don't care uh, if, like, for gems, whatever. We're just going like, to, it's all, like, of resources we're going to throw in a pool. Same with sigils. Just junk it all. It's all in a pool. And you can always make a new one, right? So there's not, like, this, like, permanence of, like, oh, shoot, if I don't use this or if I do use it, I'm never going to get it again. I'm going to get five more within this next dungeon. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's so nice not having one of my loot tabs filled with gems. <laughs> like, freaking A, like, just saves so much wasted time of here I got my chipped emeralds in this corner and my my rubies in this corner and the skulls over here. Um, yeah, uh, that's nice. Well, you guys say that the gem pool is the highlight of Diablo 4, but... I think we can all agree that the true joy of modern gaming is seasonal content with a plethora of bodacious microtransactions. Diablo releases periodic seasonal updates, and we are in the middle of season three as my cat tries to choke me with my headphones. Uh, this is the season of the construct. It includes two seasonal quest lines, seasonal events, and a battle pass. Casey, did you empty your wallet and chuck it at your TV or what? Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, I have zero interest in cosmetics at all and like that's one of the things that annoys me most of, about my children in video games is dad can i have five dollars for this game oh, what does it get me oh it gets me this sweet hat it's like <laughs> what does it make you kill stuff better no it just looks cool like great <laughs> um no you can't have five dollars uh yeah like i think my character looks you know ba enough without having to spend a ton of money so uh, i'm not like as far as this this season goes you know there some of like i commented the whisper stuff being tied in with some of the the construct things as I, I really like that but i just i don't know it's it's weird it doesn't really fit with the whole theme of diablo like you go from killing demons and hell spawn and you know skeletons and uh, even vampires last season that 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 fit you know like it just it seemed to fit way better and now we're killing these mechanical constructs and scorpions and all this sort of stuff and it just it just feels weird as a barbarian wielding my giant hammer smashing mechanical things and even the new vaults just the way that they look it just looks really weird so I don't know. I liked the content of the season. I'm not really a big fan of the look and what they're having us do, I guess. I don't know. The entire internet loves traps. We found that out. Traps <laughs> were a huge win. Everybody loves traps in the dungeons. Uh, they're not annoying at all. <laughs> okay, real quick aside. Worst trap that you're adding to. I'll start. The floor is lava. Like, there's this giant hallway, and the floor was lava. Yeah. And, like, I kept dying before I could get to the switch to turn it off. And, like, highlight of gaming for me. Well, it's, it's even more even... fun when they put that 
floor in the room where you have to fight the boss and like there's all this yeah. stuff coming at you while the floor is on fire at different spots like yeah that one's yeah. really cool <laughs> yeah those are the worst because there's so many things that you can't even see anymore where the traps are to begin with because the entire room is filled with my minions the enemies that I'm trying to kill and all of the special effects of the flames going everywhere from the pillars shooting stuff and it's just like yeah, I can't keep track of what's going on. Hopefully I don't die, <laughs> basically. And the, the kind of the sad part about it is, is, like, every one of those big final runes in the vault dungeons, there is a safe spot, right? Mm -hmm. The same thing I do every time. Like, oh, I run up in, I run over to this corner, I shoot this tower so it's gone, and then I just sit here and I shoot everything. So the traps would become null and void eventually anyways. I mean, they were kind of interesting initially, but, like, yeah, they basically, like, switched everything up to like now you can just easily buy 30 of the mm -hmm. thing the the resource you need to make it through the unlock the chests and this and that so you just have the same path and now it's simple am i hearing that you are declaring that you're the smartest for having an archer and uh, casey's a big dumb idiot for being up in the middle of the fray is that uh what you're saying john no no you just go stand and you wait like if you're dumb enough to go run into the trap to kill the stuff instead of just waiting for the monsters to come to you that's not your class. That's just, you know, the problem with the first moment you keep the control. Well, the nice thing about traps, too, is they actually do kill the monsters as well. So they they hit and damage the monsters, too. Well, let's go back to the cool hats for a second. Like, Burns, how much cosmetic stuff did you end up buying in this game? None. Like, so... It's okay, I mean, Burns. This is a safe was... space. Like, if you bought something, you can tell us. No. We, we won't hold it over your head forever and, like, poke at you for the next 30 years. I bought the game. Like, if this was a free-to-play game, then it would be like... Because that's usually how it goes. Like, with... I play Honkai Star Rail, which is a gotcha game. It's free-to-play. You, you don't have to pay anything to download it. Every now and again, it'll be like, oh, okay, I'm going to throw... I'm going to throw $10 or $5 this month, and I'll get, like, so many things each day um, for 30 days, right? Like, I'll throw that in there because it's like, I've played this game for 100 hours. I can give the developers $15, right? I've already paid the, what, 60, 70? I, I bought it on a discount. So maybe it was 45 for the game. And that's like what I'm going to pay. Like, I kind of, like, I looked at some of the stuff and some of it does look kind of cool. And I would, if I could earn the platinum by doing things in the game, I would maybe prioritize some of that in order to unlock a couple of things here or there but no i'm not gonna put money into it just for that stuff especially with like it's like to unlock some of those like real cool looking like sets of gear it's like 20 or 30 dollars that's like half of what i paid to buy the game i'm not gonna spend that much on just one set of gear for one character class no i mean i will say though to your point like if they, they, give you, they do give you the opportunity to earn some platinum, right? So I don't like battle passes. I don't, I didn't look and, and I didn't buy into the cosmetics, right? But at least in this seasonal con, uh, the, 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 the pass itself, they break it down. They're like, if you get your entire tier, right? It's, it's 10 bucks, right? 10 bucks for, to be a part of the battle. pass. And as you make your way through, you can earn platinum back. And I did the math, and like you basically can earn 800 platinum back, so it would cost you two dollars for everything. It right now, 
the next time that the next season comes out, well, I still have to drop 10 bucks because, you know, I don't have the thousand and only have 800. So they're, they're, they're keeping you spending money, but they're returning some of it, but it's still in Diablo. But I'm like, well, that's not so bad. Right. I, you know, if I was really into this, like, and I was like, you know, a kid, you know, and like, look at how cool my guy is. Like, you know, Casey's kids, two bucks. All right. Cause I'm going to get to the end of it every time. Sure. No problem. I think they do a good job though, of saying, here's some seasonal content. And here's a battle pass tier that we're going to give you some cool free stuff that like the actions that allow you to boost your character and boost how much experience you're getting or your loot that you're getting uh, from whispers or this or that. And then also giving you other seasonal content for your character that gives you renown that builds out that battle tier bar. That's like it's fun achievements to hit for. Right. Hey, go do hell hides and get, you know, 6,666 of the little crystals. Sweet. Right. So the things you're doing through the game, like, are fun little quests you can do. Right. That, like, to me, that's why I had so much fun. Because I was like, ooh, I'm in this next tier of this next seasonal content thing. And it says, go do these eight things. I'm like, oh, yeah, those are fun to do. And I'm going to kill these monsters. I'm going to get this. And then that would ramp up my battle tier. I'm like, oh, now I have more ashes, right? And I was like, I'm almost to the end. And yeah, I did it. And I'm like, well, hooray. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need the, like, cool costume that shows that I did. But I'm, I'm, I still had fun doing it. You make a good point, John, and like I think it's very telling that we're all like, "Oh no, I didn't pay anything. No, I didn't. I didn't buy any of the cosmetics. Like, no, I didn't touch the battle pass. I battle passes with a burning, fiery passion." It's like, well, yeah, they're a part of modern gaming, and at least they gave you some interesting challenges to pursue. And let's keep in mind that like we're talking about seasonal content that was free for us in addition to the main game, right? Now, yeah, I know that like they're doing this because hey. We invested money into building this game out, and now we are making buku bucks on top of it because, you know, every other kid, like, you know, all kids out there are buying all the cosmetics and adults and everyone else too, right? They're getting their money. They're making their money. But, like, look, this was free content for me that was enjoyable, fun. And, like, when Season 4 comes out, I'll spin another character up and do five hours to get through the seasonal content and see what fun thing is and maybe play more, maybe not. Do you guys like that with the seasonal content, you have to spin up a new character every time? Like, we played a little bit of Season 2. We played a little bit of Season 3. I'm still playing my Eternal Realm character from when the game launched. Is it an enjoyable thing for you to look at a new season and think about starting a new character? Are you good with what you've created so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. Like, I'm still at the point where I enjoy enough of, like, the early parts that I keep wanting to play it. Um, At this point, I've created N characters, I think, um, of various different classes just to try some stuff out. And, I don't know, I, I still enjoy it. I think it's fine. I can get if, like, the only thing you want to do are, like, the Nightmare Dungeons and all of that stuff. Um... Because then there's a lot that you have to do to try to get to that point. Um, But you can do, like, the whispers and everything right away and the other seasonal stuff. And the seasonal story, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's interesting. And it was, what, how many extra dungeons that weren't in the game before? Five, right? Six? 
Um, so it's new content to do that spices up the leveling and like the seasonal content, like the dungeons themselves and a lot of things will get you a chunk of your levels that you need to get to um, the point where you can start doing nightmare dungeons and a lot of the other things. So I don't know. I think it's fine. I, I, I can see why people have a gripe about it, especially if they're only playing like the one class and they're basically just redoing the same exact thing over and over and over again. I think a lot more of the fun is trying something new each time and seeing what, what that amounts to. Yeah, I didn't really mind it at all. Um, my biggest gripe is that they, like you're forced to start on World Tier 1 and 2 again. Like I wish that you didn't have to redo the Construct Dungeon, that you could start at a higher World Tier if you so choose. Um, and we've seen, like, with this latest event, they could add things in, too, to make it maybe that first couple weeks where they have the same sort of bonus two shrines, where you get this extra mm -hmm. XP boost or whatever to make it go faster. And honestly, like, it's not that hard to get to level 50. Like, if you sat down and you grind it out, you could do it in, like, five, six hours, probably, really. Like, um, it's just doing it, right? It's just... It's, and, yeah, like, I think it's, it's a really good point. Like, if you're doing the same character over and over again, it's going to get tedious and boring after a while. But, like, if you switch it up and you change things, and they change things between every season, like, the type of barbarian that I did this time was not a character, like... Joey kind of, like you say, he struggled with it last time because the power and damage just wasn't enough. Well, they changed it, and now it's almost too powerful. Um, so they, they do little tweaks and stuff, and, and uh, I don't know. I think they, they do a good job with it, and I don't, I don't mind the, the little additional grind that you have to put in that first few hours every it, season. It's a nice incentive to try a new character, right? That, to me, is it adds in that, like, like to me, humans are creatures that had it, right? If I already have a level 100 well great i want to see the new content i'm going to take my level 100 i'm going to go ahead i can burn through it in one hour that was cool and then i'm done see you later right but by saying no, no you got to start a brand new character i'm like well shoot well, i've already played a sorcerer the next content that comes out i'm gonna play barbarian because i haven't played it before because you're making me start from square square one so it's a smart play by blizzard to say no we're gonna make you create a new character every time for the seasonal content because we want you to try different things, right? We want you to play a different class. We want you to be invested in this other character and not just say, well, just take your other character you've already put 20 hours in and bring him through and maybe reset the skill tree to tweak it a little bit. I mean, no, we want you to go from the start to the finish again to get more of the game. So new characters are so, fun. Yeah, and I had a question. So how is that... How is like the seasonal content different in Diablo 4 than it is in Diablo 3? Um, or even Diablo 2 Resurrected, if either of you have done any of that stuff in that. Like, how is it different? You know, because I challenge you all to, after this, you know, and we're mostly positive about the game, go on to Diablo 4 Reddit <laughs> or go on to uh, Diablo 4, like YouTube creators. And, and get a gauge of how they feel about the game because it's pretty drastically different. Or you could walk into, feel, but... or you could walk into Premier Health and get their opinion too. We suggest seeing Doctor <laughs> Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. <laughs> that's true. But so that's why it, it left me curious as to how is it so different in Diablo Three with their seasons um, that make those like phenomenal, and this stuff is like a burning dumpster fire. Uh, I'll take first swipe, and then John, you can uh, respond to me. 
Diablo 3 is my wife's favorite game. We played a lot of Diablo 3. We played through the story a couple of times, and we have never played seasonal content. When They did one where you could bounce back to one, and they did a filter on the screen so it looked like Diablo 1. We logged in, played enough to be like, oh yeah, look, this looks crappy and old. Cool. And that is all of the seasonal <laughs> content that we've ever played. Even, Bernsey, when we did the Diablo 2 Resurrected show, we played a lot of Diablo for that, and I can't even recall what was different about the seasons than that, other than starting new seasonal characters, trying hardcore characters, and watching my favorite character die to Enduriel beneath Chaldeum, which is repeated in Diablo 4. So, you said a key thing to talk. Diablo 3 is your favorite game. No, oh, wife's yeah. favorite game. Your wife's favorite game, sorry. So, but like, that's a key, key component of why you see so many people griping. Well, Diablo 3 is a well-established, well-oiled machine, right? And people love to complain. Well, I love doing this thing in Diablo 3, and now it's different in Diablo 4, and I don't like it. In five years, everybody will be like, I love this in Diablo 3, and then when Diablo 5 comes up, they'll complain about it because it's different, sorry. Uh, right? Seasonal content, though, to me, the one thing that's missing in four and what's different between three and four is the race, right? Because there is this component of leaderboards and the race, and it's the race to 100 and then the race to be the top, right? And that is where we are, we are getting to. We don't have leaderboards yet in D4. So that's a big part of D3 seasonal content, right? Where it's like, and that's why you start at one. It's because how quickly can I get to 100 with whatever new thing you threw out at me, right? So then I can like be the best, the best sorceress or whatever build I'm doing, right? And then like, yeah, ha, I'm top of the leaderboard first and I made it there first and now I'm going to be on top and I continue to tweak my build until like no one can beat me. So it's it's leaderboards. Got it. Again, it, it's a little bit different too because isn't, instead of nightmare dungeons and maybe there's still nightmare dungeons in Diablo three, but weren't there like the Nephilim rifts yeah. in like Diablo three, then that's like the difference. And it's like a little bit different than how the dungeons work in four. Yeah. There's, there's structural changes between how you like spin it up and do it and like everything. But I mean, it all comes down to you're going into harder and harder dungeons, right? It's the same yeah. type of loop. Okay. Well, Casey, this is the first time you've ever played a video game. What are your overall thoughts of the entire Diablo 4 package? I love it. I, it's easily the Xbox game that i played the most and might be the most time I've spent with the game since GoldenEye. Um, I'm a little sad knowing that we're going to be switching focus to another game here shortly. And uh, like even now, um, I know that it's it's one I've been looking forward to play for over three years now. It's like it's it's a little part of me is like, gosh, like I, I need to try to make time to go back and play Diablo Four <laughs> because it's it's an awesome game and I really, really love all the time that I put into it. You just have to quit your job. <laughs> just or get laid off, just you know, playing that's fine. video games full time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna work. Start streaming. Start streaming, right? And then you can buy all this battle tier content because you're gonna have to have it on your cool character for all the people. Uh -huh. Yep, exactly. John, how did the package come together for you? I mean, I love this game, right? I will continue to come back to it with each additional season. I am probably going to try and find time 
to get to 100 just because I want to beat these last few bosses, right? That I couldn't beat that were kicking my butt today. So I think overall it's, it's what Blizzard does well, right? Um, I'm interested to see what happens to this franchise with Microsoft taking over and it going to Game Pass, right? And it'll be interesting to see what happens next. Uh, so I'll keep watching it. And overall, I had a lot of fun. I think the the one thing that was sad to me is we didn't get a lot of time to like, at least I didn't to like play with you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good thing and a bad thing, right? Like I applaud Blizzard for, I was able to play all this solo, right? It didn't party up barely at all. And I got a lot of great content and a lot of fun, but there is that level too of like, and like, I wish we would have played more together. And, but it's one of those things where it's like, unless we all say, this is our character we're playing together. Everyone jumps and the leveling is all different. So, And then Casey kills everything while you watch impotently yeah. on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, but- I... Oh, D4 was a lot of fun to play. I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I'm pretty sure that as more seasons come out, um, maybe not with every season, but I will... I plan on jumping back into it. Um, I'd like to get at least all of the classes to 50 in some way shape or form um if not getting one or two classes to 100 um i'd like to get my hardcore character to 50 i'm a little scared to play it now that i'm like a little over level 30 um because i don't want it to die before i get to 50 but uh so i don't know it's a fun game i think they did a lot of a lot of stuff they did well with a lot of things um and i'm interested to see what they continue to iterate on and i'm really interested to see what they what they focus on for the expansion and how beefy or meaty that's going to be. Um, and then how much they're going to charge for that. So I'm, I'm curious where, how, how that's going to be, how long it's going to be until that comes out. Um, I'm interested in seeing where everything goes from here. I had a ton of fun with D4 as well, especially in the early game. Like I was so enamored with the early game content and it kind of, it tapered off a little bit more for me towards the end, but the seasonal content is awesome. My favorite thing about Diablo 4 is that it's just awesome that I'm able to play one of my favorite games and one of my favorite franchises co-op with my favorite person on Earth. And, like, Phoenix and I logged... Matt was playing this game? (laughs) Um, Phoenix and I logged something like 50 (laughs) hours together playing couch co-op. I think that was the last time I checked. It might even be closer to 60 now. No, not Pat. Phoenix, my wife, Mrs. OIO. And it's just... Being able to play co-op without having to have a second PlayStation Plus account is awesome. And I really applaud Blizzard for not only making this cross-play, so like I can play with Casey on Xbox, I can play with John on Xbox, we can play with Jim and Tammy on PC, all members of the OIO community. It's just, they made so many smart decisions in making it easy to play with our friends. And it's really, really well done. So now we are going to take all multiplayer games and like just shove them in the trash for the time being. And we are moving on to play Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is the next OIO Game Club game. We're going to play through the first act. Um, Bernsey, do you remember about how many hours that is? Like, It depends on how much side stuff you do, to be honest. So um, I, I believe you could get through the first act if you were just mainlining the main story and not doing anything else in like only a handful of hours. Um, realistically, it's probably going to be more like 12-ish hours. 
Um, and then Act Two is much larger and has a lot more going on. There's only two acts in the game, and what's, technically, from what I could research. What's the dividing point? How will someone know when they've reached our breaking point at the end of Act One? So the the article that I saw online um, for spoilers didn't say what, but they said you'll know it when it happens. Basically, the title screen comes up again. And then that's when you know that you've gotten to that point. My understanding is it's when you, like, leave Night City to, like, when the story leaves Night City and you're doing more stuff uh, out in the rest of the world a bit. Awesome. So when it's you leave Midgar, it takes off. Use. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> Long action at Keanu Reeves' kiss. Awesome. Can't wait for that. Casey and I haven't played a minute of Cyberpunk yet. Casey, what are you looking forward to about playing Cyberpunk? And make sure you read your show notes verbatim, because what you wrote down is really powerful. I don't think I could read that on the family-friendly podcast, Tom. Um, no, I'm, I'm just looking forward to finally playing it. I, I got this game as a Christmas gift when it launched. Uh, and that was way back in December of 2020. Um, and I was really disappointed by all the negativity it received after launch regarding all the glitches and the issues people were having with the gameplay. So I just never loaded it up. And uh, even after they fixed everything, we've just been playing Game Pass games and doing a little show. So I've just been preoccupied with all that. So uh, I'm just finally really looking forward to diving into that dystopian world and seeing everything that it has to offer. John, you gonna play this one with us too? Yes, I am. The so the the Witcher is one of my best favorite franchises of all time, right? Like and, Witcher three is like up there with you know. Go ahead. Well, we did a show on the Witcher. You were on that episode with us. Anyone interested in our takes on the Witcher franchise can check out the Witcher show. I can't remember when we did it. It was uh, about the time I had my ago. yeah. It was yeah. when I had my vasectomy, so it was November of two thousand twenty-two. How's that for a nice, memory? Nice yeah. connective thing there. That's great. Yeah. So, so CD, CD Project Red is one of my favorite developers. So I'm really excited to see what they've done. I was really disappointed with, you know, everything I heard and everything I read about, like, the initial launch of this game. So I'm glad that it is now, like, come the the way that CD Project Red kind of does things, right? Winter has the same kind of history, right? They would launch something, it would be buggy and crappy, and then they would make this make it a masterpiece by the end. So I'm really excited to finally jump into another game of theirs um, outside of the Witcher universe. I love Cyberpunk, so I'm excited to kind of play a futuristic RPG, right, and see what it has to offer and have some cool discussions about it. Yeah, and, like, you paid $1,000 for this game when it came out, right? I paid 10 bucks. That's right. <laughs> I, bought, I bought the PlayStation 4 version, and paid ten dollars for it. So, budget free upgrade game to PS5, and I'm gonna play it on my PS5. That's right. Yeah, the free upgrade is nice. Now, Burns, you actually played this game around launch, and like, uh, if I yeah. remember your impressions correctly, you didn't think that it was as bad as maybe it was getting killed by the world and the internet. Yeah. So I I played the PlayStation Four version on my PlayStation Five, and I I had a I actually I looked back at my tweets. I had like two tweets that were like talking about my feelings about the game at that point. And uh, I had like three or four uh, like real bugs that I ran into and only one crash when I played it at that point, 
which was nowhere near as much as what a lot of other folks got. Then again, I heard that most of the problems were on the playing on the PlayStation 4 with the PlayStation 4 version and playing on the Xbox One with the Xbox One version of the game. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that's supposedly ironed out. It still might be a little tricky playing it on the Xbox One. So, uh, Godspeed to you, Casey. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about that. I, 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 I'm playing it on the X, so Ooh. that's my plan, anyways. Yeah. Well, I, I have um, the I have the Xbox One version, but it says it's playable on the X, so we should be good to go. Yeah. So your son's gonna have to uh, watch Netflix somewhere else. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. <laughs> but uh, I played, I played like sixteen hours of it uh, when it came out um, over like a, a like a week or so. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I uh, basically the reason why I fell off of it was that was when I was streaming a lot, and so it was Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light and the. Uh, the saga collection that came out that basically I was playing those nonstop and streaming that. And so that I never really made it back. And then I got into final fantasy 14 again a lot and finished like Shadowbringers at that point. So I just never kind of made it back after that. So I'm looking forward to going back and playing it again. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see um, how it goes. Cause I'll have to restart it. I don't remember anything from four years ago, three and a half years ago. So uh, I'm going to have to play it again. But the question is, um, which background are you guys going to choose? Are you going to choose Corpo? So are you going to be a corporate stooge? Are you going to be a nomad? Or are you going to be a street kid? Corporate stooge, 100%. Probably probably watch, I'll probably watch some YouTube videos and uh, decide which one is going to work best for me. <laughs> it really <laughs> OP, right? Exactly. I got to min-max the crap out of this thing. It's literally just like your background of your character. The only thing that's different is like you start off in three different places. Otherwise, the only thing that, that is different is that you'll have one of your options and some of your dialogues are going to be based on your background. And so it's like if you're a street kid, then it's like you'll have maybe something a little bit more like gang centric to say. If you're uh, Corpo and you're talking about like something business-wise, you're going to have something more to say about that. And if you're a nomad, you know more about stuff outside of Night City than in Night City. And so that's literally the only real difference that you have in the game from it. So now I just feel like if I'm going to be a street kid, I'm going to be like Steve Buscemi in that meme like from Mr. Deed, where he's like, hello there, youth. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> Are we ready to do the hip cool thing? The the real question I think is going to be how long are Casey and Tom going to be stuck on the character creation with the genitals area because uh... <laughs> I wish that we could That's set what... up TVs right next to each other like you know I could bring my spare TV into my living room Casey and like we could do this like I could set up the X on that and like we we could compare just like we do every week in fantasy football when you say Josh Allen sucks on your way to a championship. I have a feeling there's going to be like, you know, some serious measurements going on where it's like, what is the pixel to pixel like distance so that they, there can be yeah. a real like, you know, real life to video game yeah. component, right? Are you more of a small default or big? That's the question. Can I use it as a weapon? The question is, can you determine if you hang to the left, to the right, or shoot straight? Right? I don't think there's lilting. I don't think there's a little thing in the game. No. Can you give it a curve? Is there is there a curve angle that you can add into it? Like, <laughs> is there a slider for that? 
<laughs> well, John, leave us something to talk about when we do uh, Cyberpunk Part 1 in the middle of March here, dude. Right, it's a Gur slider, right? Great. But Cyberpunk is going to be awesome. And a reminder on how Game Club works. Any member of our OIO Patreon community is invited to play these games with us. So if you want to join in, go to patreon.com slash OIO uh, and support the show. Contributions start at just $2 a month, and then we'll get you hooked up with the OIO Discord. Uh, this one will be a little bit different than playing Diablo, because, like, you know, Diablo, we had the voice chat, and everyone was jumping on at random times. This being a single-player experience, it'll be a little bit different. But, like, we would love to have a variety of different voices on this show to talk about these games with us. So, Cyberpunk 20, 2077? Is that the year? 2077, yeah. Nice. Nailed it. Uh, that is going to wrap up our discussion on Diablo 4 on OIO Game Club. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Outsiders Overrated, and please support Outsiders Overrated at patreon.com slash OIO. Until next month, stay inside, kids.